Black Peg Daily Doha, Episode 5. I'm Lazarus Gramos. And I'm Nathan Gould, and we'll be looking back at the final day of Match Day 1. Matches played starting on Thursday, the 24th of November. And Lazarus, it was a great way to round off the first round of fixtures. So who should we say is bringing this episode of the Daily Doha series today? I'm torn. Ronaldo, we should acknowledge Ronaldo's feet. The first player scoring in five different World Cup final tournaments. That is astonishing. It goes to show his longevity, doesn't it? Absolutely. He's not quite the player he used to be, Cristiano, but he still can do the business on this international stage, and he did that this morning, and Portugal needed him. So the second option that we had for bringing us the Daily Doha today was Pierre-Luigi Colina, head of refereeing at FIFA. And I'll tell you why. I love the fact that we're getting additional time, which is reflecting the actual time lost in play. It's great to see. And it, in effect, it's actually stopped teams going into the corner and trying to you know, just hold onto the ball, for goodness sake. It's a massive change. And I, for one, do appreciate that they are looking to try and reduce the influence of time wasting in football because you see, particularly at the World Cup, you see a lot of teams, they do like to exaggerate injuries, take their time with throw-ins and goal kicks and all these sorts of things. And finally... It's taken a very long time, but finally FIFA has acknowledged that there is a time-wasting problem within football, and it's a step in the right direction. I still don't know if they're getting all of it, because on average, I believe, the ball's in play for about 50, 60 minutes. So where's the plus 30 minutes of stoppage time? But it's a step in the right direction. I think it, I think it's a great move. It's a great move, and well done to FIFA. So we, we normally throw um, brickbacks at, um, at FIFA, but uh, you know, we've got to give them credit when it's due, and that decision that they've made or this policy that they've implemented is spot on and to be commended. Shall we get cracking onto this uh, last match day, last four games of match day one? Yeah, to round out the week of football, the first round of fixtures, Group H and Group G. And we'll start things off with the game that just finished, Brazil against Serbia. One of the tournament favourites uh, with the opportunity to lay down a marker for their team, for their competitiveness going into this tournament, given... The, the troubled times of Argentina, one of their main rivals, and they didn't disappoint. First half, Serbia gave them a, a bit of bit of trouble, but Brazil, they did hold them out, and they did uh, they allowed their quality to shine through towards the end of the game and uh, come away with a, a, a pretty good win and a fantastic brace from Richarlison. Yeah, you've said it all there, and we've seen an early contender for goal of the tournament. Richarlison's second goal is just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant finish. Yeah, fantastic. And, and what do you make of Brazil overall? Were you super impressed or just um, appreciative that they were as clinical as they were? Oh, look, they could have had more in the second half, but I actually thought they played really well in the second half. First half, Serbia showed a way that you could approach uh, Brazil. So it was interesting to see how um, the Serbians did handle the and nullify Brazil for most of the first half there. So it could be a lesson in point for other teams that are going to, are going to take on Brazil in, later on in the uh, in the tournament. But uh, they announced themselves Brazil uh, very comfortable, you know, very solid performance, I would say, and worthy of their favourite status. Just on that point, I'm not changing my mind though. I still think Argentina will knock them over in the semi final. <laughs> <laughs> Argentina got to get to the semi final first. Uh, I think they will. I think they will. <laughs> It goes back as well to the team selection, picking players in their right positions and mm. doing what they do best, allowing the likes of Rafinha to play off the right and play his usual game, something that we will come on to a bit later on as to why I'm bringing this up. But 
this Brazil team is just so stacked in that oh, they are. you can just play whoever you like and yeah, they, they have are. so many options and they all just work so well together. There's no real clash of styles or players that don't really get along. Like It is one unit, it seems, so far. And yes, if things start to get a little bit rocky, then you might see some uh, hotheads. But this Brazil team at the moment looks primed and ready to go. Yeah, they sure do. They sure do. I think everybody would have taken notice of that performance, especially in the second half. Well, let's turn our attention to the other game in Group G, Switzerland against Cameroon. The first game of the day and Lazarus. I don't know about you, but when I was watching this game, I was thinking, geez, I don't need any evidence to to know where my predictions are going to stay with this group. I don't even need to see Brazil against Serbia. These two teams for mine, they didn't display anything that makes me think that they will trouble either Brazil or Serbia for the rest of the group. Having said that, though, that was a really good game to watch and an enjoyable game. Do you think so? The, the, second, the second half was a bit, of a bit of a snoozer for me. Oh, really? Yeah, no, I enjoyed the the first half in particular. I thought was was quite good. I mean, and that's the takeaway. Like I thought, like at the end of it, I, I didn't mind the game. I thought it was actually enjoyable in part. Cameron just missing that little bit of extra quality to get over the line. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chupa Moting having a couple of chances, but not really having a massive slider in front of goal. Mm. And yeah, yeah. I think they they are going to struggle to score some goals, Cameron, with the defenses they're going to come up against now for the rest of the group. That's true. I think we're right, though, with our predictions. I think Brazil and Serbia are the teams um, to beat in this group, and I don't think they'll be beaten. No. Having said that, though, and what I just said earlier, Switzerland do have that little knack about them just to get results at the right time. Like today, I didn't think they were particularly deserving of the three points. I don't think they were... I don't think you could say that they were the better team overall, but they managed to get the job done. They managed to get the win on the board. And Bolo was the one who managed to get on the score sheet. A bit of a story out of that, having been of Cameroonian heritage. Could have had another goal as well. Could have had a second goal, a second goal there as well in that game. But uh, yeah, great story. Great story being uh, Cameroonian and um, yeah, cho- choosing not to celebrate, which is interesting to see in a World Cup, actually. Yes, I don't think I've ever seen that. A player um, not celebrating out of respect. It's something you always see in club football. But uh, yeah, strange to see that on the international stage. We know why, because... As we say, he he's of Cameroonian descent. His father still lives in Cameroon, and I'm surprised he he isn't actually playing for Cameroon, given those links. So um, good on Switzerland for having him in their setup, and he delivered the goods today for them. So they are sitting in the in second place in the group, and we'll see how they get on. That it it really is setting up that last match day, Switzerland against Serbia, as a, a winner takes all. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So let's turn over to Group H now. The group of death here. Mm. as I call it, and I think we're going to see why with these results. Jeez, they were both really entertaining games. Yeah, they definitely were. Uruguay-South Korea, no goals to speak of, but wow. Uh, and a, a really end-to-end game, so many chances for both sides, and high energy as well. Both teams really going out there and leaving it all out on the pitch. It was great to see, Nathan. It was a, This, again, was a really good nil or draw. I know people you know get turned off by nil or draws, but if you watch the game... And if you haven't seen the game, watch the highlights. This is a brilliant game. Brilliant game. And Uruguay, how chaotic are they? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. It's awesome. I am really surprised this game ended goalless. Just the amount of chaos is the right word that you say. And Luis Suarez, he doesn't really have that same level of quality that he did uh, a few years ago now. He, it seems that he has dropped off a little bit. Oh, but it, it doesn't matter. With Nunes and Cavani, and uh, it was just 
yeah, it, it was a really good game to watch, actually. It was a really good game to watch. And the Koreans didn't, you know, they weren't frightened at all. They went toe-to-toe. That game reflects why we think this group, well, why I think this group is the group of death, if there is one, because it's just, we're going to expect um, this closeness across all the matches. I think the Koreans in this game, they were bolstered by uh, Son Hyungmin starting the game. I think if he was ruled out due to his injury, then they, they may have been a little disheartened and perhaps we would have seen Uruguay take control a bit more and perhaps go on to win it. But having him in their lineup just really did get them primed and ready to go for this game. And it holds them in good stead for the rest of the group because they will trouble Ghana for sure and they definitely will cause some problems for Portugal, who will come on to now. And what a game this was. Three goals to Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo making history, as we said earlier. But Ghana weren't going anywhere. Ghana were not the easy beats of the group, as uh, some would believe. And they really made themselves known to this Portuguese side. And Lazarus probably the takeaways from the game because this was a this was one that really did catch the eye. Yeah, it did. It did. Great game. Great game. Again, end to end. You know, the first half there was a bit of a you know feeling out period, but it, you could tell that wasn't going to last long. And then the second half just exploded into life. And my lord, what a game! Brilliant, brilliant all around. You know, the Portuguese were never comfortable. Ghanaians kept going at them, even you know three one down. And it, again, like we said, uh, you know a little bit earlier. It could have easily have been three all, you know. And we'd be talking about, um, you know, Portugal, are they in trouble or, you know, how close is this group? But I still am happy to stick to Portugal and Ghana finishing one and two based on what I've seen from both games this morning, though. I've got to ask questions of the Portuguese manager again, Fernando Santos. Why are you playing Bruno Fernandes off the right? And why is Rafael Leal not starting? Why is Palinha not starting? As soon as those players came on and Bruno moved into the middle, it was a different Portuguese team. They were creating more chances. They were looking the better side. And that's effectively where the goals came from. Bruno moved inside and got two assists pretty much straight away. So the starting lineup for me was wrong for Portugal. But at the end of the day, they still came away with a win, despite the, the Ghanaian resilience. And uh, it does set them up nicely for the rest of the group. Nathan, I agree with your point there. Absolutely. Santos did get it wrong initially. But those changes that he made to the to the uh, to the formation and to the lineup were spot on. So you're sticking with Portugal and Ghana as your two teams to go through. You saw enough from the Ghanaians in this match to think that they will get points away from Uruguay and South Korea? I believe so, yeah. I believe so. You know, I'm not hundred percent confident, but I'll just stick with it. An African nation has to come through. I'm not just saying that for them to be the token African nation. I just think that from what I saw they're fearless. They're they were absolutely great to watch. Well let's move through to some of our match day one wrap up and some of the teams that we thought uh, were a little disappointing but also impressed us as well and let's talk a little bit about those African nations first up for mine Morocco were the best African side I've seen so far they were they were quite resilient and they had enough going forward as well I do think they are able to get out of the group and Croatia may be struggling a little bit yeah I'll accept those points uh, you've, you've definitely got some merit there I still think Croatia will make it out of the group though they weren't my disappointment of the of the group of match day one, though, I have to say. My disappointment for match day one, Nathan, was Iran. Yeah, I was expecting Iran to be a lot more solid at the back. They didn't concede many goals in qualifying. They have been able to keep clean sheets and putting good performances at World Cups gone by, but it all fell apart for them against England. And yes, England are a good team, but we're expecting some trouble from England early doors in this tournament. But Iran just let them play their football and they played them into form. And that's my disappointment aside from Australia. 
Yes, yes, Australia, Australia, Australia is definitely top of the list for disappointments. That's right. That's <laughs> Match right. day one. No, that's right. Uh, but Iran were disappointing, unfortunately, and hopefully they can pick it up. But um, I've got fears for them. Yes, and we'll come on to their match day two game a little bit later on. Let's talk about individual performers. Yeah, who's your standout? My standout individual performer for match day one, I think it's going to be Marco Asensio. Yeah, he was great, wasn't he? Yeah, I didn't give him the player of the day yesterday, but Marco Asensio, he was instrumental to Spain's 7-0 romp. And yes, there was plenty of good performance performers on the pitch there, including the likes of Pedri. But Marco Asensio looked absolutely at home in the system. And despite there being seven or eight Barcelona players in the squad, it was a Real Madrid player who took the limelight. Yeah, look, I can't argue with that. I think it was absolutely brilliant. But I will go back to Gonda for Japan. And that sequence of saves is just incredible. And that could turn out to be the difference here, depending on how results go. You know, Japan beat Costa Rica and Spain beat Germany. Japan are through. Hopefully we do get Japan through, as they should be now from this position. And it's nice to have an Asian team into the round of 16. Maybe we'll get another one as well. We never know. But good to see that there is some variety going on at this tournament. Hopefully we get an African nation out of the groups. And it looks like we've got an Asian one. Yeah, I agree. Your surprise packet, aside from Saudi Arabia and Japan? Aside from those two, because those are the two big stories and they're the ones that are the immediate ones in the front of mind. My surprise packet is Ecuador. That, yes, they didn't have any pressure on them in that first game. All eyes were on Qatar. But the football that they played, they really did impress me with how they were able to just take the game to them. They just played Qatar off the park, basically for the entire game. Yes, they took their foot off the gas in the second half, but they didn't need to exert any more pressure to come away with a fairly comfortable, not even fairly comfortable, it was a comfortable win for Ecuador, and that does help them out in Group A, a tough group. It seems so it's a straight shootout between them and Senegal to go through to the knockout stages, and I'm very impressed. I'm thinking of switching up my prediction, putting Ecuador ahead of Senegal. I don't blame you. I think that that's, I think that's on the cards. I think that's on the cards. Um, my surprise packet, on the flip side of that, is how disappointing Qatar were and how stuck in the headlights they were. But I also want to mention Canada. They were a pleasant surprise to me, and they've just made that group a lot closer. Yeah, Canada were, Canada were fantastic. And for mine, they should have not only got a point out of the game against Belgium, they should have won the game against Belgium. They had so many chances, so many opportunities. Even if you look at things like all any of the stats, shots, it, but particularly XG, it was so much in favour of the Canadians in that performance. And Kevin De Bruyne, picked up the Man of the Match award from, from that from that game. And even in, in the interview when he was accepting it, he was thinking, why have I got this award? I didn't play well. We didn't play well. Give it to a Canadian player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that group's just come to life. It's They have really surprised me. And, you know, maybe we should be looking at the Canadian coach as a possible replacement for Graham Arnold at the end of this tournament if Australia doesn't go well. Well, everyone's in the shop window, aren't they, at the moment, I think. Top of the list for everybody is Harvey Renard, based on what he's done with Saudi Arabia. Funnily enough, he's on less money than Graham Arnold is for the Socceroos team. And I'm surprised we never that Australia never went for him. It staggers me. Absolutely staggers me. Shall we talk about the Socceroos a little bit here? Because it is it is a wrap-up. It's an excuse for us to talk about Australia for three days in a row. <laughs> we have to go for it again. <laughs> <laughs> do we really want to do this? Because we'll be caught, you know. Just a little bit, I think. Okay, let's um, go. You twisted my arm. Because if the, the sort of point I want to get at here is that if Australia indeed 
continue with that sort of level of performance and we do go crashing out because if we play like we did against France, we are going home. There's no two ways about it. 100%. Graham Arnold will depart from his role as national team manager. And I think the FA needs to have a, a good long think about what sort of attitude, what sort of performance, what sort of mentality we want out of a national team manager. And I don't think you can stick to an Australian manager going forward because for mine, there isn't one Australian manager at the moment anyway who is A, ready to go for the Socceroos at, and good enough to take on that role, but also having that mentality and attitude of wanting to be on the front foot. We've seen this week the teams that sit deep and try and play for a draw, they don't get it. The likes of Iran, the likes of well Australia in the France game, they get destroyed by these bigger teams, as expected, because this is what happens at club football week in, week out. All yep. the best players do play at elite clubs, and they're playing against mid and low blocks every week. Yep. If you're a, a minnow, with all due mm-hmm. respect, a minnow, mm-hmm. and you go out and take the game to them, it's a little bit different. It gives them something else to think about. It's like, oh boy, oh boy, we've got to play well here, and it catches them off guard. Correct. Australia, and pretty much, well, Australia needs a manager who is brave, who's willing to take risks. Yes, it might go badly, and it probably will go badly, but what you get in the meantime is a, a team, a performance, and a manager who the viewing public can be proud of. And that performance from Australia midweek for mine doesn't fit into any of those three criteria. I don't think anyone's, nobody will be coming away from that game feeling happy that they're supporting the Australian national team. So for mine, there needs to be a long, hard think, a bit more of a long-term plan and a, a, a more of a vision from Football Australia rather than just getting, okay, who's the best Australian manager available right now? I agree with you there. We had one and he got hounded out of the Australian game. It's that simple, right? As far as a replacement is concerned, there are a couple of Australians that I can think of at this point, if we do want to go Australian, but they're out forging their own career. So hopefully they're able to come back into, into the Australian fold as soon as they've um, fin- you know, finished their, their professional development overseas, right? But I agree with you. I think at, at this point in time, we do need to go overseas, just for this point in time. For the next uh, World Cup campaign, anyhow. the next So the next Asian Cup and the world, next World Cup campaign. Look, I think we'll have to discuss this further on Sunday morning, depending on what happens against Tunisia. But, um, yeah, what, what did you make of match day one all up? Uh, there was 41 goals across 16 games, and uh, there were four nil draws in that. So, you know, an average of two and a half goals per game. So, pretty good. Bumped up by the Spain-Costa Rica game, of course. But the four nil nils we had... The one this morning between Uruguay and South Korea, we had Mexico, Poland, we had... We had Denmark and Tunisia. And Morocco, Croatia. Those four nil-nils for mine were highly entertaining. None of those four nil-nils were boring, drab games that, that you want to fall asleep to, uh, a cure from Insomniacs. But no, I agree. As opposed to perhaps some of the other games that were a little bit on the, on the snoozier side. For mine, you disagree, but... The first game this morning, the switzerland Cameroon game, was less entertaining than any of those nil-nils. I'd rather watch those four games that I mentioned than the Switzerland game again if I was to go back and look at it. No, that's fair enough. Overall, overall, the football's been good to watch. Aside from Saudi Arabia and Japan, there hasn't been a, a massive, massive story. But those two themselves have been some of the biggest stories I can remember out of a World Cup. Two of the biggest upsets going, yes, we had Germany losing to South Korea and Russia, but... The magnitude of that Saudi Arabian win is something that I don't think we've seen before at a World Cup. Lazarus, do you remember an upset to that sort of level? Argentina were so heavy favourites coming into this game. 
the weight of expectation. Is there any game that comes close to you for the, the level of upset that we saw? Yeah, Cameroon, Argentina, 1990 opening game. Italian 90. Yep, that, that, was, that was a remarkable upset. But yeah, this comes close. This comes close. It, 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 this was big. This was big. So, but yeah, no, Italian 90 at the time was just incredible. That upset with uh, by you know Cameroon over the defending world champions because back then that's when the the defending world champions were the ones that were, would open the tournament and um, you know Cameroon um, definitely surprised the world on this level. Would you maybe put Senegal France two thousand two in that category as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, same category. Yep, most most definitely. So, who was your player of the day today, Nathan? I think for me it has to be Richarlison getting the two goals. He's not really done it for the Brazil national team away from the Olympics, like in a major tournament, I should say. Today was his arrival on Brazil for the absolute biggest stage. He's done it in tournaments gone by in terms of the Olympics. He was good there. But for Richarlison today, he's the one that's got to lead the line for Brazil. He is the main recognized striker that will start pretty much every game now. And he delivered today for Brazil, and he was the main reason as to why they came away with the points, obviously because he scored the goals. <laughs> no, no argument from me there. That's uh, Richarlison for mine as well. So, Nathan, let's uh, look at the first games of match day two, starting with Group B at 9pm Sydney time. We've got Wales versus Iran. How do you see this going? This is going to be very interesting. How do Iran bounce back? Can they recover from that drubbing off England from the first game? I think they can. I think they'll put in a, a markedly better performance. I don't know if I can tip them to go and win the game. I might put this one down as another draw for Wales, though. Two points for them to start for me. I'm going to go a one or draw. I'm going to go Wales 2-1 there. So then we move to the midnight kickoff here in Sydney, and the hosts, Qatar, come up against Senegal. Can Qatar bounce back? I think they can. Surely they will be improved from the Ecuador game. As we said on the day, they looked completely shell-shocked, in awe of the occasion. I think now they've got their first game out of the way, they can settle into the rest of the group and put a better performance together because we didn't see the Qatar that won the Asian Cup a few years ago, early this week. And Senegal, interesting that they might be dropping Edouard Mendy from the lineup after... I don't personally think that he was at fault for the goal that Cody Gakpo scored. I don't think you could lay the blame at him. He got, he got it wrong, but it wasn't a, a massive howler that deserves dropping from the team. So. I think it would be harsh if they do drop him, but that is the talk. Um, I think Senegal might just have enough, but Qatar should be a lot better. I expect them to get. I expect Qatar to get on the score sheet here. I might go for a two-one though to Senegal. You're right there, Nathan. This game could go either way though, and I think we will see a improvement in Qatar. I think Qatar will just edge this two-one. I've just got a feeling about this game. So the three a.m. kickoff Sydney time, the Netherlands and Ecuador. This is going to be an interesting game. I'm very intrigued to see how this one goes, that we have the two winners from match day one facing off. If there is a winner in this game, then they are in the box seat to go and win the group and potentially avoid England in the round of 16. So there's a lot on the line here for these two teams. And I think what I saw from Ecuador was impressive, but I don't know how much of how much stock I can put into that given what I said about Qatar and the sort of level that they were at in that first game. The Netherlands were impressive for mine against Senegal. They were tough to break down, but the Dutch managed to get through them and come away with the win. I do think they will win this game, but it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of resilience Ecuador offers. I think they can go and win this game, but I think the Dutch will edge it. I'm going to go for a 2-1. Same. Same. I think the Dutch will just take this game out. 
And then at the 6 a.m. kickoff tomorrow morning in Sydney, England versus the United States. What are your thoughts? Uh, This is going to be a very interesting game for mine. Can the USA continue what was a pretty decent performance against Wales on match day one? But, of course, the opponent is much tougher this time around. They were good, America, in the first game, but England were spectacular. I can't see this game going any other way. I think America will give some problems to England. Interesting that Iran... Yes, they conceded six goals, and yes, they were bored defensively. They didn't have much of the ball, but they still scored two goals. So this England defense can be got at for mine. I do think America get on the score sheet once again. No clean sheet for England again, but they will win the English. I'm going to go for 3-1. That's funny. I've got that same score as well. England winning 3-1 here. And that rounds us out for day one of match day two. It's amazing that we're already into match day two. It's not even been a week yet of this tournament, Lazarusen. It's been fun watching the games, and it's been fun chatting to you here every every morning after the 6 o'clock game and giving our thoughts. Thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, no, thanks, Nathan. Thanks to everyone for listening. Special shout-out to my fellow teammates at Cooks River Titans from the 2018 Premiership uh, victory there. They've uh, sent me a text uh, this morning to give them a shout-out, so I promised I would. So there you go. Brilliant. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Do catch us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at the back peg. Leave us a review if you feel so inclined as well. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gramos. Take care, guys. (laughs) 